welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Puck House Podcast. We are back. Uh, I was sick last week, so that's why there wasn't an episode up last Friday. But but we're back. We're, we got a lot to talk about. We're going to talk about some of the early action that has happened in the NHL. We're going to talk about Connor Bedard's NHL debut. We're going to talk about his first goal as well in the NHL. We are. I'm going to give you my review on the NHL 24 video game, uh, which came out two Fridays ago. Uh, but I recorded it, by the way, just to let you know, I recorded it last week. So I think I say like last week, but it was right before I got sick. That was like the last thing I recorded. But so we're going to talk about that. We are going to continue our What If series. Uh, we're going to do an updated edition of power rankings as well so stay tuned for that we're going to talk about all this and more on this episode of the puck house podcast all right now we're going to move into the roundup and this week well this past two weeks hockey has returned hockey is back feels good to say that we have nhl regular season action underway again really exciting uh so been a lot of fun watching the games again it's great it is great and the first night the first night of nhl action was a big one for connor bedard connor bedard made his nhl debut um against Sidney crosby and the pittsburgh penguins i don't know if any of you were watching the game but uh, before the opening faceoff, because he was on the start, he was on the first line, center taking the faceoff against Sidney Crosby right at the start of the game, and the referee, I think Kelly Sutherland, I believe is his name, uh, goes to like he you can he has his mic on and he's like to Sidney, Sid, welcome back for another season, Connor, welcome to the NHL, buddy, and then. Drop the puck. Cool, cool moment. Uh, Connor Bedard. He 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 played really well. I gotta say, I I liked how he played. Like he he was a little nervous at the start. You could tell he was a little bit nervous, but he he settled in. He settled in as the game went on, and he got an assist. Got his very first point on the NHL. And by the way, Pittsburgh Penguins were up two nothing in that game. The Blackhawks came back. One four to two, so good night for Chicago. Good night for Connor Bedard, uh, and then the next next night, Connor Bedard uh, played against the Boston Bruins in Boston, and he picked up his first of many NHL goals. Uh, it was a nice nice wraparound goal, you know, you know what? It's it, it's a nice goal. It's a nice goal to score. You know, it wasn't like one of those, cause like there, you've seen some of those like first goals, and they're like really fluky goals. Like it's like, oh, like it goes off a guy's skate or something like that, and that's in or something, you know. And that's not like it's some sort of garbage goal or something like that, you know. Like it's not re- like you want you want to score a decent first goal, you know think who is it it was there's like a video out there where like and a bunch of nhl players are talking about their first nhl goals i think 
Scott Hardnell or someone like it went off his like pants or something like that. Like, it's like, and that was his first goal. And, you know, but yeah, so that was Connor Bedard first NHL goal for him. And the Boston, Boston Bruins won that game though. I think Connor Bedard was the only goal scorer for the Blackhawks that night. Um, but yeah, so Connor Bedard first NHL goal. And for Brock Besser in, in the first game of the season, he got four goals. Brock Besser scored four goals in the Vancouver Canucks season opener in an 8-1 victory over the Edmonton Oilers. Brock Besser, four goals for him. It was a, it was a great night for the Vancouver Canucks. I still think Vancouver Canucks are going to have a hard time this season. They don't really they don't have an identity. I don't think they have an identity to the team. I think they're going to probably struggle again. They're like they just seem to find themselves every year in this like like they just it's almost like they have an identity crisis. They don't know to be a rebuilder or a contender. They're just stuck in the middle. They've been stuck in the middle for quite a few Years, but Brock Besser, solid night for him. Solid night for the Vancouver Canucks. Edmonton Oilers have raised some panic because they're kind of a big cup favorite this year. Um, Edmonton Oilers, they also ended up going to Edmonton and the, and, uh, the Oilers lost to the Canucks again. Uh, I don't know if you saw Evander Kane, his interview after the second game. They were talking about the slow start. And he kind of sarcastically replied, oh, we're 0-2, dead last in the league, 32, all the sky's falling. And, and I mean, he makes a good point, though. Like, it's like, you know what, we overreact to an early, slow start. And you'll see later on, because we are doing another edition of Power Rankings, I, I don't really, I didn't really change too much in the Power Rankings. Because, like, there's not really, like, we should not overreact too much to a slow start. Teams can find their groove. Teams can certainly find their groove. But, yeah, Brock Besser. Brock Besser, fun fact about Brock Besser. I was at the game where he got his first career hat trick. I've only been to, I've only been to two NHL games in my lifetime. One of them was a playoff game. Canucks Sharks 2013 it was game two I believe uh the San Jose Sharks won that game in overtime and they ended up sweeping the Canucks that year in 2013 but I was at that game too uh and then the second game I went to was the Canucks Penguins game I wanted to see I was a big Penguins fan I uh, love Sidney Crosby so got to got to see him play uh, in that game, uh, Brock Besser got his first career hat trick. It was Hockey Night in Canada, primetime game. It was, it was a great time. And, you know, yeah. But got to see Brock Besser's first career hat trick. So really cool, you know, to see that and to see him become the player that he is now. Brock Besser, four goals for him. A solid night for him. Solid night four. Four, get it? Okay. Okay, I'm gonna stop. I'm gonna stop with the puns. Uh, we're also gonna talk about another Canadian team, Austin Matthews. Austin Matthews um, to start the season, man. He just came out of the gate flying, back to back hat tricks, first two games. So really, a really great night 
Really great two nights for Austin Matthews. Really great start for him. Um, yeah, first game against, oh, who was it? Oh, Montreal. Montreal, sorry. Um, Toronto. Toronto was actually down 5-3 to three in the final few minutes. Uh, Toronto was able to come back, tie it up at 5, and they were able to win it in the shootout. Did they wait? Wait, was it a shootout? Now I'm trying to. No, it wasn't a shootout. I think it was overtime. Yeah, it was overtime, I believe. I'm trying to remember because I was watching the game. But point is, Toronto won. Austin Matthews picked up a hat trick. And then he also got a hat trick on uh, Saturday, I believe it was, against the Minnesota Wild. So back to back hat tricks for him to start the season. Good start for the Toronto Maple Leafs team. And speaking of the Toronto Maple Leafs, we got to touch on, I'm surprised I haven't brought, I'm surprised I haven't brought this up yet on the podcast, but I'm going to bring it up now. Uh, I want to talk about Fraser Minton, Fraser Minton making the Toronto Maple Leafs Um, quite a surprise. I got, and you know, you know me, I mean, obviously the Blazers are my, are my team, as I mentioned before. Uh, several times on this podcast that's my that's my junior team that is that is my squad so Fraser Minton uh to kind of everyone's surprise here making the Maple Leafs roster that was something that surprised me and I, I would say probably most Blazer fans but Fraser Minton played well in the preseason enough for them for him to make the team as of now and there's a lot of speculation that they might send him, that they might send him back, that they'll keep him past the nine games. Because if you don't know, um, a player can play a maximum of nine games. And if he plays 10 games, then they have to waste a year of his contract. And they might not want to do that. So they might send him back. And I mean, here's, here's my thing. All right. The Blazers, they are not doing good so far to start the season. They have only won one game. They've they've really struggled. It's not that they're a bad team, I think. I think, you know what? They're playing better than the results are showing. They are in most I would say, because I've, I've gone to several of the games, several of the home games. And I can tell you, in quite a few of those games, the Blazers are the better team. We are pounding these goalies with shots. Big problem is our inexperience. You know what? Lack of experience. Can we, We're not able to turn chances into goals. That is the big problem with this, with this team. Now, they're currently sitting last in the league, um, or like tied for last in the league, as I'm recording this. And... I mean, if they, if they do send them back, which sounds like uh, Fraser Minton, he might sit out uh, tonight's game against the Tampa Bay Lightning, which could mean, yeah, which could be a sign that he's going to come back. Um, but my question is, what are they going to do with him? That's my, that's my thing. They're sitting dead last in the league. Uh, they lost a lot of picks from the Owen Zellweger Ryan Hofer trade, 
they need to recoup some draft picks. Um, so really, I mean, they're and you know what, Minton's now become a big name because of the Toronto market. This could that could raise his market value up by a lot. So you're looking at you know what if a contender and I'm gonna I'm gonna use. Portland. I'll, I'll use Portland as a great example. Portland, they've got an incredible squad this year. This is their year to go after the Memorial Cup. If a team like that comes calling for Minton, um, that I think the Blazers will definitely would definitely pursue a trade like that. But you know what? He either you know stays there or gets sent back. Um, yeah, I really don't know what's going to. I think they're probably. I think they're going to send them back. I think the Leafs are going to send them back, but I don't know if the Blazers would keep them around for very long. Well, they might keep them. You, okay, I'm not going to. I'll say I think they might keep them until the trade deadline, evaluate, see where they're at, and then probably make a trade deadline trade. That's my thing. Almost, almost kind of similar to the previous season, how the Blazers um, made a big splash at the deadline trying to buy by acquiring Owen Zellweger and Ryan Hofer. That's probably what I think they are going to do. But you know what? We'll have to see. We'll probably talk about it next week. Um, and speaking of the CHL, uh, there's been some... Uh, contenders that are starting to stand out as far as the Memorial Cup down in Saginaw, Saginaw, Michigan, um, in in late May. Some really good teams. I I already mentioned Portland, the Portland Winterhawks. Really good team. They probably have. They're the number one team in the CHL top ten rankings. Which I mean, I'm gonna be honest, you, I don't put tons of merit into. But I can tell you from watching the Portland Winterhawks, they got a really good squad. And I would not be surprised if Portland is the WHL rep in the Memorial Cup. Another team that's really emerged is the London Knights in the OHL. Lost out in the OHL finals last year. And I, re I really think that the... Yeah, I really think the London Knights will make it this year. The London Knights... Uh, they also have East. They have Easton Cowan, the Maple Leafs' first round pick this past year. They got some really good players, really good players from last year's squad. I think the London Knights could could probably be the favorites in the OHL. And I also think the Halifax Mooseheads, the Halifax Mooseheads, who lost to the Quebec Remparts in the QMJ JHL Finals last year, I think they could definitely be the I think they're the Q front runners of the Q front runners. Yeah. So I would say that I would say like, I would not be surprised if we're seeing Portland, London, Halifax in the Memorial cup. I would not be surprised to see that. Another team I do want to really mention because, because it's a team that, you know, I, I sort of feel bad for just considering They've been there for quite a long time, and they've had absolutely nothing really for their franchise. And that is Prince George, the Prince George Cougars. They have a really good, a really good team this year. 
I'm hoping I'm hoping they do well. I'm hoping they do well, to be honest with you. I feel bad for them. They haven't really had a lot that's gone gone right for them. Uh, they only just won a playoff series last year for the first time since 2007 when they made the conference finals, which was their furthest ever playoff run they've ever had was 2007. But they got a really good team this year. They are the team in the BC division, I can tell you that. And you know what? I mean, yeah, the Prince George Cougars, I, I think they could definitely be, I think it's going to be Cougars, Winterhawks, uh, Western Conference Finals this coming, this coming year. I think that'll be, that would be probably a really good matchup. But I, I, I'm, ho I'm hoping for the Prince George Cougars that, because they don't really, like, they don't have a ton of fans. I'm going to be honest to you. They don't draw, they don't draw, uh, many fans at their games they don't draw big crowds um i hope that can change because you know what like you want know this team this team's a really good team but here's the thing over the 30 years that the almost 30 years that they have been in prince george they have not give they have not given much you know they have not given much kind of they've not had much success so people aren't as inclined to go to the cougars games up in Prince George. But you know what? I mean, this year make a deep playoff run. Yeah, give them give them a reason to come, you know? Uh that's what yeah, I th I I hope they make a deep run this year. Really rooting for them. But yeah, the Prince George Cougars, they got some good prospects, Cohen Zemer, Zach Funk, Ty Young. You know what? Like this team, like they got a really good team. Like they do. They really got really got a really good team. I remember a lot of those kids on that team when they were 15, 16, watching them take on take on the Blazers and it's like, man, they got some good players, you know? Like and I remember saying, this team's going to be scary in a few years. Um and look at them now, you know? They're they're right up there. They are the team in the BC division. Uh so yeah. So yeah, I wanted to I wanted to mention a few teams there, but yeah, that's kind of what's been going on in the CHL. And that'll do it for the roundup. All right, now we're going to move into the next part of our what if series. What if what if uh if you're new new here, you don't know what we're doing. We are basically there's this great website called what if sports great website highly recommend you check it out but basically what you can do is you can do a simulation a, a game a simulation between any two teams in nhl history it's really cool so what we are doing is we are taking a look at every single stanley cup champion since 1927 because that's as far as it goes back putting it into a big tournament um and we are basically, yeah, we're basically crowning the ultimate Stanley Cup champion. So if you're new here, go back to the last few episodes, watch the first couple parts. But if not, we can continue. We are currently in the round of 16 right now. So we have separated the pretenders from the contenders. Uh, we got a few matchups to get into. 
first off, we got the 1944 Montreal Canadiens taking on the 1976 Montreal Canadiens. So we got two Montreal Canadiens teams battling it out. One of them will move on to the quarterfinals next week. Um, and the 1976 Montreal Canadiens win 5-4 in overtime. Doug Risebro got the overtime winner for them. For the 1976 Montreal Canadiens, they will move on to our quarterfinals matchup next week. Um, we have the 1973 Montreal Canadiens taking on the 1982 New York Islanders. And the 1973 Montreal Canadiens win 5-2. They will take a spot in our quarterfinals. Uh, the 19, we got two, two more Montreal Canadiens teams here. Uh, the 1979 Montreal Canadiens versus the 1977 Montreal Canadiens. We got two. And, um, and the 1977 Montreal Canadiens win 5-4 in overtime. Pete Mahovlich got the overtime winner. The, both these teams are pretty much the same team. Uh, but the 1977 Montreal Canadiens just edge out the 1979 Montreal Canadiens and will advance to our quarterfinals. Pete Mahovlich got the overtime winner, by the way, for the 1977 Montreal Canadiens. Uh, the 2022 Colorado Avalanche are taking on the 1989 Calgary Flames. And the 1989 Calgary Flames win 5-4. Great game. Uh, the Colorado Avalanche were leading 4-3 in the final minutes. Hakan Lube tied it up with 4-20 left in the third period. Then Doug Gilmore with 2-14 to go gave Calgary the lead and they would hold on to that lead. They win 5 to 4. Will advance they will advance to the quarterfinals. Um, we got the 2017 2016, sorry, 2016 Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the 2007 Anaheim Ducks. A little recency kind of matchup, a little recent matchup. Two pretty recent Stanley Cup champions. Um, the 2007 Anaheim Ducks win 6 to 3. So yeah, uh, Corey Perry, R Ryan Getzlaff will beat out Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, the HBK line. Funny enough, Chris Kunitz is on both of these teams. Chris Kunitz, uh, Chris Kunitz is, uh, yeah, Chris Kunitz's Anaheim Ducks will beat Chris Kunitz's Pittsburgh Penguins. Um... Uh, and we got the 2020 Tampa Bay Lightning taking on the 1975 Philadelphia Flyers. And the 1975 Philadelphia Flyers win 4-1. to one. They will advance to the quarterfinals. Uh, we got a good matchup here. The 1984 Edmonton Oilers taking on the 2008 Detroit Red Wings. Gretzky, Messier, Curry taking on uh, the 2008 Detroit Red Wings. Henrik Zetterberg, Pavel Datsuk. And the 2008 Detroit Red Wings pull off an upset. They win 5-3 over the 1984 Edmonton Oilers. Gretzky will not be on the ultimate Stanley Cup champion. Gretzky is out. Uh, the 2008 Detroit Red Wings will advance. Um, and our final matchup in, in this round 16, the 1983 New York Islanders taking on the 1958 Montreal Canadiens. And the 1983 New York Islanders win 4-2. to two. 
Uh, so yeah, that New York Islanders dynasty, they are still in it. That's the last team of their dynasty, but they will advance to the quarterfinals. Um, so by the way, speaking of the quarterfinals now, let's go over. We're going to preview. We're going to preview the matchups for next week. We got the 1976 Montreal Canadiens taking on the 1973 Montreal Canadiens next week. Battle of 270s Habs teams. I think it's going to be a close game. Um, I will say I'll go with the 1976 Montreal Canadiens. Uh, I, I haven't done the simulation yet, but you know what? That's what that's what I'll go with. Um, the 1977 Montreal Canadiens are going to take on the 1989 Calgary Flames. I'll say in the 1977 Montreal Canadiens. I just think, I just think the Montreal Canadiens will. I think probably a Habs team is going to win it in the end. Uh, the 2007 Anaheim Ducks are going to take on the 1975 Philadelphia Flyers. I think it's going to be a close game. I really do. You know, I'm I'm feeling the 2007 Anaheim Ducks. I don't know why, but I'm kind of that's that's my gut feeling. And the 2008 Detroit Red Wings are taking on the 1983 New York Islanders. I'm gonna. I'll probably say the 1983 New York Islanders. Just that Islanders dynasty was so good in the 80s. Uh, they will, I bet you they're going to move on to the semifinals. So that is our quarterfinal matchups for next week. Uh, but not only that, we are also going to be doing the semifinals next week. So the quarterfinals, semifinals coming up next week. Uh, and by the end of it, we'll start with eight. And we'll be down to two by the end of next week. And that'll do it for this part of What If. This past week, NHL 24, the video game, came out this past week. Last Friday, actually. And I'm going to give you right now my honest review of the game for you guys. Right now, I got it. I got it as soon as it came out last week. And I've been playing it ever since. I, I gotta say, I've been a fan of the series, fan of the video game series for, uh, what was my first? It was NHL 11, I think, was my first game on in the Chell series, and I've been playing ever since. I think I, I only missed, like, one year in there, but, like, I've gotten pretty much every single game since then uh, from NHL 11 onwards. Um, and I gotta say, there there's quite a few things... I like about the game quite a few th things though that I don't like we're gonna dive into some of the things I like first before we get into the things I don't like and I really want to see improved for NHL 25 next year so I gotta say the gameplay the gameplay this year is really I'm, I'm really enjoying I'm really enjoying the gameplay I like the gameplay, fun fun to play. I like the uh, sustained pressure system that they have added, which basically, if you're in the zone, if you're in the offensive zone for long enough, uh, pressure starts to build and you have a better chance of scoring goals. Uh, if you put pressure on the goalie, you're going to be more likely to score. I like that. It's, it's realistic to hockey. I like that. The gameplay, I like the, how the game plays. Um... Yeah, there's, there's a lot of things I like about the gameplay. 
Another thing I like is the new hut moments. The hut new hut moments is a lot is a new is a lot of fun. Um, it brings me back to they used to have they used to have it. Um, it was called NHL Moments Live. I don't know if any of you remember this. If you played if you played Chell like a decade ago, you know what I'm talking about. NHL Moments Live. It was like on. I want to say, like, from around, like, NHL 12. No, not NHL 12. Like, uh, yeah, like, NHL 14, somewhere around that. Like, in that in that ballpark, kind of right around there was kind of where. And it was just different moments that played out throughout the season. You can play them on there. So, it, I mean, it was, re- it was really cool. And I really like how they've done it. They've incorporated the legends into it. You can do certain legendary moments. There's certain hut moments I don't like. Like, I mean, I don't really get too excited to, you know, score an overtime winner with Brooks Orphic. Like, that doesn't really excite me all too much, trying to score an overtime winner of Brooks Orphic. That's just not really, like, there's certain, there's certain hut moments in there that I wish would be, like, you know, certain moments that I would want in instead of that. But you know what? It's a step forward, I think. I think that's saying that they needed back. Uh, and they've, after 10 years, they find it's ridiculous that it took that long to implement something that has already been in the game to bring that back. So that was a big, big plus for me. Big positive. I've enjoyed that. I mean, I've enjoyed playing the hut, play, playing hockey ultimate team. I've enjoyed that right now. The experience is fun. I have I haven't really played Hut too like too much since like NHL 21, I think. It just I never really felt compelled to. Like I never really felt like there was much that had been changed. But you know what? I got back into it and you know what? I'm I'm enjoying it right now. I'm enjoying it right now. I know I know there's there's still some things wrong with hut but as there 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 will always be you know issues with game modes but you know what i'm enjoying it it's fun um those are a couple things for me that are the positives now let's dive into the cons the negatives big negative for me i would a big negative for me i would have to say the thing that i have is Offline modes. EA has almost put no effort into their offline modes. I I tried playing franchise mode. It is literally exactly the same as last year. Exactly the same. Same with be a pro. It's so annoying. For the last four years, I've had to listen to James Sibulski going pricey pond hockey you've got there. Like, it's just like, oh my gosh. Like, it's like they've absolutely put no effort into changing franchise mode, be a pro, pro, be a pro mode, nothing. They have done absolutely nothing with either of those. It is really, really disappointing. And it's happening on a regular basis where they're just ignoring it, pushing it to uh, the side. I haven't really got, I haven't actually really played, I haven't played World of Chell yet. Uh, I haven't really dived into that, so I don't know. I don't know how World of Chell is 
this year. If you if you're more of a World of Chell player, uh, let me know. Let me know. You can always tell me what you think about it on social media. You can tell me about what you think about World of Chell. So I can't. I can't really. That's the only thing I can't really comment on is World of Chell. Uh, never negative for me. Um, the lacrosse goal. Okay, they released the lacrosse goal back. They, you were able to do it first in NHL 21, and when it was released in NHL 21, there were concerns about the fact: is this just going to be one of like three ways to score? You know, you got your slap shots, you got your cross creases, and you got lacrosse goals. That's how you're going to be scoring goals. Um, that is, that was, that was not the case. That was not the case from NHL, NHL 21, NHL 22. Yeah, that was not the case. NHL 23, um, they created a new X factor called skilled up, which was, you could basically do lacrosse goals a lot easier, which was fine. It was fine because the only guy that really had it was Zegras. And even with guys who had a silver, like, what's it called? Like, Superstar X Factor, I think it's called. Um, like, Svechnikov and Forsberg. You still could not do it. Like, I, I would try it and practice with them. And I still could not hit it with them. I could hit it with Zegris on a regular basis. So, it's like, okay, it's one guy. NHL 24 this year. They have made the lacrosse so much easier, like way, way easier. I can go in with a 60 overall forward with like 45 overall hands and pull off the lacrosse goal. It's ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. They have, and, and I mean, don't get me, it's fun to pull it off. But it should be something that should be a rare moment. I'm, you know, I'm going in. I'm just pulling off these lacrosse goals, you know. I get a chance behind the net and you pull it off and it's like easy peasy. It's like it's the easiest goal to score. It's so, so, and EA, EA, they got to figure something out with that. They really do. They really got to figure out something with that. And not just for next year. Like they need this in a like a new update, like a new patch or something. They need to really, because it, it, it is ridiculous. Um, I mean, in terms of, I mean, besides the lacrosse goal, I will say um, you're there's mostly, for the most part, like I said, besides the lacrosse goals, the lacrosse goals being so overpowered, um, most of the goals you're scoring, I would say, for the most part, are goals that are realistic hockey goals. You know, like you got, you got maybe, you know, a slap shot from the point. You got, you know, toe drag, snipe. Like you're, and with the pressure system, you are more compelled to shoot the puck instead of, you know passing it all around waiting for the perfect opportunity because if you get more shots on net the more pressure and the more pressure the higher chance you're going to score so yeah i really do like that they also unveiled um what was it 
total control, I think it is. I have not, I, I personally, I don't really understand it. I don't really get what I, I still like for me, I don't know. I'm not sold on it. I'm not sold on the idea. I know there's quite a few people who are complaining that there's no hybrid controls anymore. Um, so for those people, the hybrid control players, they're quite disappointed about that. And they've kind of total controls replaced hybrid. For me, though, I, I don't see the purpose in using total control. EA need, like it's not sold it's not you know it's not sold to me so I'm I'm sticking with the sk with the skill stick for me but um yeah uh this year overall I would say it's a step in the right direction I would say compared to NHL 23 which I I could never really I was never able to dive into that game really because it was just there what there wasn't anything really new there wasn't anything new with it there wasn't anything new of it for me. So, but this game is a step in the right direction. Um, I would give it, um, I'll give it an, I'll give it an 8 out of 10. I would say if you are a, wouldn't say hardcore, but if you're a, if you're a big fan of hockey and the NHL, highly recommend you get the game. For those of you who are more, casual like don't really know a lot about hockey i don't know if you know you would be able to like you know if the it would be worth your money um that that's my take on it so yeah if you're if you're a big hockey fan i highly recommend it it's great game fun to play um yeah there's a lot of things i think you would enjoy about about it but yeah i think it's more tailored to more you know more, I guess, hardcore, like more hockey fans instead of trying to bring people into the sport, which I think EA needs to do. I think EA needs to try to get, try to focus more on trying to bring, you know, new people into, into the sport. I mean, whether, like, it doesn't even have to be with this series, but I know, um, what they used to have a series in like the 2000s called NHL Hits and it was like an arcade style game something like that something like that would be a lot of fun i remember uh what was it, it was 3 on 3 NHL arcade it was called on the PS3 it was like it was so it was this very arcadey game very silly it had a lot of like funny sound effects to it like there'd be a, like, there'd be like banana peels. Was that a banana? And things like that. It's like there was blorp. Like every time it was, oh, it was brings back good memories. But you know, you slip on a banana, small goalie, things like that. But no, I think EA needs to try to tailor into that market a bit more. But overall, this year, solid entry. Like I said. 8 out of 10. And that is my NHL 24 review. Alright, now we're going to move into the first regular season edition of Power Rankings. And last time we did this, this was in the preseason. Kind of went in depth on where I thought teams stand. Not going to go in 
quite in depth like we did uh, last episode when I talked about uh, my rankings. Uh, but I will talk about a few teams in particular who kind of jumped in the rankings. So we have five tiers, five tiers to our rankings. We have the rebuilders, the sellers, the wild cards, the cup contenders, and last episode I called it future cup champions. I have renamed it cup or bust. I just think that sounds better. So those are our five tiers. Uh, so we are going to start out. I'm, I'm just going to list off all the rebuilders starting from like the last team. So team number 32 on my ranking going up to the last rebuilder. I'm not going to really talk. I'm just going to go through the whole ranking. And then, and then I think I'll talk about a few teams in particular. So uh, there's five teams in the rebuilders category this week. Uh, and they are the exact same five teams that were in the preseason power rankings. We have number 32, the San Jose Sharks, the Columbus Blue Jackets, the Arizona Coyotes, the Anaheim Ducks, and the Montreal Canadiens. So the only uh, three teams kind of in the middle there, 31, 30, and 29, kind of flip-flopped. Those were the only changes there. Um, in the in the sellers category, we have six teams. We have the Washington Capitals, uh, number, let's see, I'm trying to count, 27. Uh, the Winnipeg Jets, number 26. The Vancouver Canucks, the St. Louis Blues, the Philadelphia Flyers, and the Chicago Blackhawks. Those are the six teams in the sellers category. And now in the wild cards categories, our largest category yet, we got 11 teams in here. So let me see. I'm just trying to do the 31, 30, 29, 28, 27, 26, 27, 28, 28. Okay. Okay. The Nashville Predators will come in at the 21 spot, the first uh, team in the wild cards tier. The Buffalo Sabres, number 20. The Calgary Flames. The Detroit Red Wings, the Seattle Kraken, um, the Ottawa Senators, the Minnesota Wild, the New York Islanders, the New York Rangers, the Tampa Bay Lightning, and the Boston Bruins. The Boston Bruins come in at number 11 there. So, yeah, that's a large chunk of the teams. Quite a few teams. There was teams that either kind of bumped up or dropped down to that wild cards tier. I'll talk about some of those teams uh, in a little bit, kind of what happened there. We have four teams in the Cup Contenders um, tier. We have the Florida Panthers, the Pittsburgh Penguins, the Toronto Maple Leafs, the Los Angeles Kings. Those are the four teams that make up our cup contenders. So Florida will just sneak into our top 10. LA is number seven. And now the final tier, cup or bust. And we have six teams this week in that cup or bust tier. We have the Edmonton Oilers, number six. The Colorado Avalanche, number five. The New Jersey Devils, number four. The Dallas Stars, number three. The Vegas Golden Knights, number two. And the Carolina Hurricanes, number one. Those are 
our our power rankings. I'm just going to quickly compare uh, the top ten um, last week to this week. So last week, well, not last week, the preseason preseason power rankings. I mean, we had the Tampa Bay Lightning at number ten, the Pittsburgh Penguins at number nine, the Toronto Maple Leafs at number eight, the Colorado Avalanche at number seven, the LA Kings at number six, the Edmonton Oilers at number five. The Vegas Golden Knights at number four, the New Jersey Devils at number three, the Dallas Stars at number two, and the Carolina Hurricanes at number one. So as you can tell, there was some adjustments. There was teams that kind of flip flopped a little bit, like kind of moved up and down top ten already in the first week. I tried not to do too much with the power rankings because at the end of the day, it's the first week. Some teams have only played two games up until, like, as I'm recording this right now. So it's really hard to judge. I do want to point out a couple teams in particular. Um, Chicago was a big mover for me this week. I was contemplating putting them in the wild cards category. If you remember, last week I mentioned how I would have put them in rebuilders. But Connor Bedard was the only reason that I was keeping them in sellers. So I thought they were going to be like on that sellers, rebuilders threshold. I've liked how they've played. Like, I, I, I'm, you know, and I think the team's going to be all right this year. I think the Blackhawks are going to be all right this year. So I put them, I put the, I put them right at the top of the sellers, the last team in the sellers, because I don't feel like I'm quite ready to put them in the wild cards tier. They gotta prove a little more to me. Week or two more, if they continue to play hockey like they're playing it right now, they will make that wild cards tier. I'm trying to look for any other Seattle Kraken. Seattle Kraken. Um they have not won a game yet uh, in four games so far this season. Uh they fall out of the cup contenders into our into the middle of the wild cards tier. I just I mean I'm I'm not going to put them like way down just like but you know what that's you know I was kind of expecting a little bit more from them early on in the season. It's still really early so I don't think we should go into full panic mode but yeah, Seattle Kraken are going to go in the wild cards. Florida didn't get off to a great start either so far, but I, I kept them in the cup contenders tier. Uh, but if they continue to kind of play like they have, I'm going to have to drop them into the wild cards tier. Tampa Bay also dropped. I didn't, I, I haven't really liked how they've played the first couple games of the season. Uh, yeah, there's there's a few teams like that. Washington, Washington drops near the bottom of the sellers tier. That's another one. Um, yeah, we're kind of tired. Let you know what? Let's let's look a little, little bit more optimistic. We talked about a couple teams who kind of dropped. Let's talk about like a few teams that you know, kind of, yeah, kind of jumped up a little bit. Uh, first off, the Colorado Avalanche. I have liked how they've played so far. They were in the Cup Contenders tier. They jump right up to, to Cup or Bust. That's the tier they're at right now. I like how they've played. 
Um, they are going to go in that tier now. Vegas, Vegas has played great. They are undefeated so far. They're 4-0. and no. uh, Vegas is going to take our number two spot on our rankings. Carolina holds on to that number one spot, though. I still think Carolina is the team in the NHL. So um, it'll be interesting to see. Uh, there's not because it's it's really tough to do these kinds of rankings really early on when we don't have many games to go off of. But this is what I have so far. Uh, we'll come back the next week after a few more games have played uh, for our updated, which will be our week two week two power rankings. There's there is this week two. I I guess this is week two. I guess this is our week two power ranking. So uh, next week we will do our week three power rankings and that'll do it for power rankings. All right, now we're going to move into another edition of Redraft. And this week we are doing the 2011 NHL entry draft. And I'm not going to lie. This redraft, so basically, we take a look at the, if you're new here, take a look at the top 10 picks, and we rearrange, reorder them. That's how we do it. Out of this top 10, this redraft, probably the hardest, the hardest to do. Because there are so many quality players in this draft, like, any of the first five picks, maybe even six, could go number one. You can make a case for them going number one overall in this redraft. And even like you look at the, like the number ten guy, the guy I had last. Most of the time, if you've followed a few of these redrafts, most of them are like guys who maybe played just a couple NHL games. This guy is a stable uh, defenseman in the NHL and has been for the last decade. So that just speaks to how how high quality this top 10 is. Uh, so we're going to dive into it. Uh, like I said, any of the first five picks, maybe even six, could go number one overall. Um, so this year, the Edmonton Oilers had the first overall pick. The, and the Edmonton Oilers, uh, they wanted to get another forward. They drafted Taylor Hall the previous year. So they're looking for his little uh, a sidekick, you know, sidekick guys, you know, his uh, duo, his duo partner. Um, and they originally took Ryan Nugent Hopkins. Now, although you could make a case for him going first overall in this redraft, we are going to go with Mark Shifley. Mark Shifley uh, is going to go number one overall in this redraft. For me, um, like the first five players all could go number one. I really dove into consistency. Who has been the most consistent throughout his career? And I felt that Mark Shifley was that guy who has been the most consistent throughout his um, NHL career. So that's why I took him at number one. And 
you know, he's got he's got the stats to 273 goals, 373 assists, 646 points. Uh, I went with Mark Shifley first overall. With the second overall pick, uh, the Colorado Avalanche had that pick, and they originally took Gabriel Landeskog. Landeskog, uh, he also, the year after that, the Colorado Avalanche gave him, the Colorado Avalanche gave him the captaincy pretty much right away. It's like, here you go, kid. Here you go, kid. You get the captaincy. And, like, you know, most of the guys in the locker room are probably 10, 15 years older than him. It's like, yeah, we're just going to give it to this, like, teenager here. They gave it to him pretty quickly. Um, but, um, so they are not going to go with Gabriel Landeskog in this redraft. Again, you can make a case um, that he could stay in the spot, that he could go number one overall. All, all these guys just so, all like the first five, such high quality. The second overall pick, the Colorado Avalanche in this redraft are going to select Jonathan Huberto. Jonathan Huberto, overall, he has been pretty consistent. Um, the only thing was uh, the drop-off last year that really, for me, hurt his kind of va value, value, I guess. Maybe if this redraft was done a year ago, Jonathan Huberto may be number one overall for me. But after seeing last season... You know, just, uh, you know, not sure what he's going to do this season. The season after that puts, there's a few question marks there. But overall, when he was in Florida, especially his, la his last season in Florida was absolutely exceptional. Exceptional. Uh, but Jonathan Huberto, 213 goals, 457 assists for 670 points. Uh, he has had a solid career so far. And he is going to go... At the number two overall spot. With the third overall pick, the Florida Panthers uh, have that pick. And they are going to select Gabriel Landeskog. So, Jonathan Huberto and Gabriel Landeskog just flip-flop there. Gabriel Landeskog. Um, the only thing... Gabriel Landeskog uh, played a big role in the Colorado Avalanche. Helping them win their first Stanley Cup. Uh, since uh, 2001, uh, when they won it in 2022, Landis Gog, McKinnon, McCarr. He was a big part of that core uh, in Colorado. He's been a big part of that team for the last decade. Um, the only thing for me that hurt him was injuries. His last few years, injuries have started to catch up with him. Um, he's not playing at all this year, this upcoming season. He's out for the whole season. Um, so injuries kind of, there's there's question marks there for me. A little bit, but when he's on the ice, phenomenal player. Phenomenal player for the Colorado Avalanche. And with the fourth overall pick, the New Jersey Devils have that pick. And they are going to select Ryan Nugent Hopkins, the, first over, the original first overall pick. Uh, in real life, Ryan Nugent Hopkins from the WHL's Red Deer Rebels. I remember watching him when he played for Red Deer, and it's like, man, this kid's gonna be, this kid's gonna be quite the player. And that was when you know he's like projected first overall, and you know I got to watch him play when he was in juniors. So 
you know, great, great player, great player for, great player for the Red Deer Rebels, and he has been a great player for the Edmonton Oilers. Two hundred thirty-three goals, three hundred ninety-nine assists, six hundred thirty-two points. Uh, his last season was his best season yet. He has been a solid top six forward for that Edmonton Oilers uh, core there. Um, yeah, right alongside like McDavid and Dreisaitl. Um, yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is going to go at the number four spot. Now with the number five overall pick, the New York Islanders have that pick. And they are going to select Mika Zibanejad. Mika Zibanejad. He is gonna go. He's gonna go from Madison Square Garden, uh, in Manhattan, and just take a little walk over to, take take a cab. He's taking a cab over to Long Island. That's right. He's just gonna take a cab, go to Long Island, uh, and play for the New York Islanders. Mika Zibanejad, originally drafted by the Ottawa Senators. Whether he's in Ottawa or New York, he has been a solid player, and he has really broken out the last few seasons. For the New York Rangers, he a bit of bit of a late bloomer, I would say, I guess. So that's why I put him more at the number five. But you can make a case for him going first overall. There's no doubt, no doubt. He there, you can make a case for him going first overall. Uh, but yeah, he's overall he's had a solid career: two hundred sixty-eight goals, three hundred forty-one assists, six hundred nine points. He is gonna go at our number five spot. With the sixth overall pick, the Ottawa Senators have that pick, and they are going to select defenseman Dougie Hamilton. Wherever Dougie Hamilton has gone, whether it's Boston, Calgary, Carolina, New Jersey, you can count on Dougie. You can count on Dougie Hamilton. Dougie Hamilton has been a solid, solid defenseman. Uh, a defenseman you can count on wherever he has gone. A very reliable defenseman i've i've always admired his game i've always liked his game as a defenseman dougie hamilton 138 goals 308 assists 446 points he puts up he puts up some decent numbers as a defenseman you know what and yeah dougie hamilton is going to go in at our number six spot with the seventh overall pick the winnipeg jets have that pick uh they originally took mark shifley who was the Winnipeg Jets' first ever pick since they moved from Atlanta. The Atlanta Thrashers moved to Winnipeg that year in 2011. Atlanta Thrashers sort of kind of become a staple of this of this series. Um, had a lot of high-end draft picks um, in their existence. And certainly you could see, we were able to see quite a few of them uh, in this series. Um, but number seven overall pick, the Winnipeg Jets. They're not going to be able to select Mark Shifley as their first ever franchise pick. So they're going to select Sean Couturier. Sean Couturier. Um, 180 goals, 281 assists, 461 points. He is going to go in at the number seven spot. He has had a solid career for the Philadelphia Flyers so far. Now, at the number eight spot, the Philadelphia Flyers have that pick, and they are going to select Ryan Strom. Ryan Strom, 145 goals, 253 assists for 398 points. Ryan Strom has had 
a solid career wherever he has gone. You know, a reliable forward, reliable, solid forward wherever he has gone. At the number nine spot, the Boston Bruins have that pick. They originally took Dougie Hamilton, a defenseman. That's okay. They're still going to get a defenseman in Jonas Brodeen. Jonas Brodeen is going to go to the Boston Bruins. He has been, he, Jonas Brodeen has been a solid defenseman for the Minnesota Wild for the past decade. Jonas Brodeen is going to go in at our number nine spot. And with the last pick in our redraft, like I said, normally a guy would, this guy would be like, oh, played a couple NHL games. Oh, he only played one NHL game. Didn't even get a point. Like, it'd be one of those guys. Instead, with the 10th overall pick in this redraft, the Minnesota Wild are going to take Adam Larson. Adam Larson is going to be our number 10 pick. That's just kind of crazy to kind of crazy to believe Adam Larson is going to be our number 10 pick. Uh, Adam Larson, part of that infamous one-for-one swap with Taylor Hall. Notorious, I should say. Taylor Hall then went on to win an MVP, win the Hart Trophy with the New Jersey Devils. Adam Larson, don't get me wrong, when he was on Edmonton, solid defenseman, but not worth Taylor Hall at the end, at the end of the day. But Adam Larson, overall, he's had a solid career, but he's just fallen into, into the draft of death. That's what I'm going to call it, the draft of death. That's the best way to describe this draft. So he is going to go in at number 10 when, honestly, he could go 5 or 6. In any other draft, he could go 5 or 6. Easy. Um, so let's recap the redraft. Uh, with the first overall pick, the Edmonton Oilers are going to select Mark Shifley. With the second overall pick, the Colorado Avalanche select Jonathan Huberto. With the third overall pick, the Florida Panthers are going to select Gabriel Landeskog. With the fourth overall pick, the New Jersey Devils are going to select Ryan Nugent Hopkins. With the fifth overall pick, the New York Islanders select Mika Zubanejad. With the sixth overall pick, the Ottawa Senators select Dougie Hamilton. With the seventh overall pick, the Winnipeg Jets select Sean Couturier. With the 8th overall pick, the Philadelphia Flyers select Ryan Strom. With the ninth overall pick, the Boston Bruins select Jonas Brodeen. And with the 10th overall pick, the Minnesota Wilds select Adam Larson. And that is the top 10. That is the draft of death. And that'll do it for the redraft. And that'll do it for this episode of the Puck House Podcast. If you want to stay updated on the podcast as well as get some bonus content, uh, follow the Puck House on either Instagram, Twitter, or X as they call it now, YouTube, and TikTok. I'll be back next week. I'm not going to be unless saying, you know, but I should be back for weekly again. Um, yeah, and uh, until next time, goodbye.